Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Grabber and alongside me is Logan Candon. And if you're watching this live, I just did a sick finger guns at the camera, timed out firing the trigger, and it was dope. All right. Well, believe it or not, it's Super Bowl week, Logan, and really just a fun week in sports overall. I mean, obviously with all the NBA trade deadline stuff, we got to talk Super Bowl now. So we're going to do just that. Our Super Bowl preview episode here at Nerd Sesh might not be the longest. We're only talking about the one game of football that's coming up, but here it is. Rams-Bengals. How exciting. So what are you thinking ahead of this game, Logan? I mean, what are some of the things that stand out to you as you look forward to this matchup? I mean, number one has to be the the Rams pass rush versus the Bengals O-line. Smart football people tell you that the game is won in the trenches, and I I tend to agree with that, uh, you know, 110%. And uh, the Rams this season were just the best um, at getting to the quarterback, at stuffing the run. Uh, Their first in pass rush and run block win rate, and that is uh, like, you know, seconds to snap uh, to disengage off your block. The Bengals were 30th in pass block win rate and 10th in run block win rates. So, I mean, like, it it's tough because all these teams have been able to get pressure on Burrow, and it hasn't really mattered up to this point, but I feel like this is a different beast entirely. I feel like this is the best pass rush that they have come into contact against. And that, that I, I still believe that even with being said, you know, the Titans getting nine sacks, I think this is the best pass rush that the Bengals will have faced I think in the playoffs and the second best they would have faced all season long to the Pittsburgh Steelers and they demolished the Steelers. Like I think that's key. Number one is just trying to protect Joe and keeping him safe, but pressure hasn't really affected him. You know, they've been able to get the job done. And I've noticed, I've noted this throughout the playoffs, even in that Titans game, they had no running game and Joe was still able to move the ball down the field and get them in position to score. They didn't convert a lot of touchdowns, which I think is another big part of the key to the uh, keys to this game. Uh, pressure is unaffected him, but I still feel like that has to be the number one key to the game. You know, protect Burrow, give him time in the pocket to make plays, and if that happens, we could be looking at a shootout. Genuinely, 
Yeah, I think that obviously, I mean, that is a key battlefront in this game, and it feels like a pretty aggressive mismatch. And I just look up and down these rosters, dude, and it feels like there is maybe not mismatches throughout, but there is a gap, it feels like, in a lot of different spots at well, pretty much every position group, if I'm speaking frankly. And interesting stat here. Burrow's stats under pressure in these playoffs actually have not been good. I mean, small sample size, of course, but his pass rating under pressure is 40 in this postseason, and he's been under pressure a lot. So I just don't think that's a sustainable formula for success, right? I mean, we've talked about this before, but the Bengals have eked by against teams that have not played their best football, against the Raiders team that was the worst in the playoff field, against the Titans team that had three turnovers and I wasn't as good as your typical 12-win team and didn't play all that well by their standards. And then a Chiefs team that had another collapse. So I just think you put all those things together and it's like, are you going to expect that luck to continue? It, it just feels like it's been a very fortunate run. And I think that, again, you just go group by group. I mean, you can argue that they have the advantage at the quarterback position. It's very close. You can argue they have the weapons advantage. But I don't know if they do. I mean, the production that we have seen from Cup and from OBJ as of late has been just absolutely unreal, obviously. I mean, Cup was the most productive receiver in football, and OBJ has been the best number two receiver in football as of late. And if CJ Uzama isn't there, then I think that you kind of have to give the edge to the Rams. And that's like the greatest strength of the Bengals team is that receiving core. And then I just think... If you're looking at every position group defensively, it feels like you're favoring the Rams. Uh, if you look at the ability to run the ball, neither team has been very impressive. CJ, uh, Joe Mixon is certainly a better running back than anybody on the Rams, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I would trust him to outproduce that group collectively. So I just look up and down, and I just feel like one team you could see in the preseason how they were going to get there. I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. And throughout the year, even as there were the dips, you could see, hey, the talent is here. When Stafford is on, when the pass rush is on, when you include a guy like OBJ into this offense, it's like, wow, there is immense potential. With the brilliant coaching of Sean McVay, all these things just come together and you say, that's a team that could win the Super Bowl. I have never felt that way about the Bengals. And as I look at this matchup, I mean, of course they could win the Super Bowl. They only have one game left at this point. But it's still kind of tough for me to wrap my head around. And, I mean, that's just an overarching theme of this game, I guess, is it just feels like one team has multiple formulas. I mean, I don't think that the Rams have to run the ball super well to win this. If they do, I think that they have an incredible path. But we've seen them win a lot of games being overwhelmingly dependent on just the aerial attack. And I do have confidence in them getting at least moderate pressure. I mean, this is a massive mismatch at the line of scrimmage them on the defensive end versus Cincy on the offensive end. And so it's just like, what's going to prevent them from winning? A terrible Matt Stafford game? Like, that's it, right? Yeah, and I mean, at times, though, we do have to recognize, yes, I think a bad Matt Stafford game or a bad Matt Stafford play, uh, we can throw it back to the NFC title game with the play, you know, where he almost threw, threw the game away to Jaquiski, uh, Jaquaski Tart, excuse me. So, I mean, yeah, like, I think that could sink their boat, but I mean, I don't know if a team outside of Kansas City has looked more dominant at times during this season than Los Angeles. I mean, the Rams make it look so damn effortless. And yeah. that's, it's stating the obvious, but like, 
Stafford just makes it look easy, man. They set it up with the short passing attack early, and then they just dissect you. And he's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt here in the postseason, 302 yards per game. They've been utterly unstoppable. And I don't, I don't want to bag on the Bengals too much, but I mean, Carson, if the Rams come out of the gates and do what the Chiefs did in the first two quarters to this Bengals team, I don't see another complete and utter collapse just coming out of nowhere. I, like... I don't want to wash away what happened in that first half. Like, the Bengals got dogged on. It was miraculous that they won that game, that the Chiefs had that. Like, that's one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen in NFL history. Yeah. Like, don't just wipe that away. And again, this Bengals defense is tenacious. This Bengals D-line can wreak havoc on this game. I, I want to make that clear, too. Like, they deserve immense credit. Trey Hendrickson, um, Sam Hubbard, uh, the D-tackle. I'm spacing on his name. They had, they they wrecked that game. They made they made big plays happen. They uh, shrunk the field. They went man up, and they completely shut the Chiefs down. They deserve immense credit for that. I just don't. I just think it's kind of unreal to uh, expect that again. Let me ask you this, Carson. We talk, You touched on it briefly. Do you think it is important for the Rams to establish a run in this game? They have not been able to do it all season long. It's been very middling. They're 25th in uh, rushing in the regular season, 4 yards per carry during the regular season. They had 2.4 yards per carry versus the Bucks, like 3.7 uh, against the Niners. Is it important uh, for to win this game to establish the run, in your opinion, or do you think it, it even matters? I think it's a lot less important than it is for most teams. I mean, we've seen them adapt. And coming into the year, I thought, like a traditional Sean McVay offense, you know, over these past few years, obviously with Gurley, but then even last season, there was a lot of their success predicated on dominance running the ball. And I thought, you know, well, let's see if they can replicate that this year. And they haven't at all. And yet it's still been a dynamic offense. So, no, I don't think that they need to do that. I mean, that doesn't, to me, have to be a pivotal part of the game plan. And they have run the ball a lot in these playoffs, right? They just haven't run it super successfully. But we've also seen at times them not make that commitment to running the ball, and they've been fine doing that too. So, yeah, I mean, the best possible version of the Rams' offense is probably this well-oiled machine in which they're running the ball well, and Stafford doesn't have to throw it 40 times a game, and you don't have to worry about the turnover potential there. But also... There have been times this year where Stafford's thrown it 45 times a game and he's completed 33 of those passes for 350 yards and three touchdowns and boom, like there's your football game. You're not going to lose if Matt Stafford's playing like that. Right, let me ask you something on, on Cincinnati's uh, side, keys-wise. Are, are big shot plays the most important key for the Bengals to win this game? And I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I love the Rams secondary, but... Even in that Bucks game, Jalen Ramsey got burnt down to the sideline a few times on some big plays. That Mike Evans TD, uh, mm -hmm. like the Bucks were surging late and made a few big plays. Are, are big shot plays and splash plays the biggest key for the Bengals to win? In your opinion, unequivocally. I mean, you want to talk about obviously not running the football a ton. The Bengals went five straight games without eighty-five rushing yards before the Chiefs won, and in that game they did make a commitment to running the ball. But every time they're doing that, you're kind of like, really? Even against the Chiefs' run defense that was 31st in opponent yards per attempt in the regular season, you're like, is this really what you're going to commit to? They just don't run the ball efficiently. And they just haven't run the ball all that well this year. So I think that absolutely, I mean, the explosive plays in the passing game are the bread and butter. I mean, 
Jamar Chase, dude, has obviously single-handedly changed what this team could be, and that is overwhelmingly because of his explosive playmaking. The guy averages 18 yards a catch. So, yeah, I do think that that's the most important thing, and we'll see if he's able to come up with those moments in a matchup with Jalen Ramsey, and I do think that this is something worth remembering is Jamar is a top five receiver in football, in my opinion. I mean, he's one of the two best rookie receivers we've ever seen. The guy is unbelievable, and his best game right now is right up there for the best game in football at the position. But he does have more inconsistent production. I mean, Cooper Cup goes every single game this year, except for two with 90-something yards at least, right? Jamar has had his games where he only gives you one to three catches and the production's limited, and maybe he doesn't hit on that huge play. And in a matchup against a guy like Jalen Ramsey, there is always the possibility that that happens. So I think the Bengals need that, and I don't know if you can count on that in this matchup super consistently. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I don't know, man. It feels so weird coming back here after watching them. Me and Carson both picked the Bengals to lose by a touchdown or more against the Chiefs. Like, I have thought that the Bengals have been significantly outmatched in these past two weeks, honestly. I expect them to beat the Raiders. I didn't expect them to beat the Titans. I didn't expect them to beat the Chiefs. And I I kind of have the same sentiment about this game. Um, it just, it's hard not to be, I, we, we, I made this argument last week about how I thought the Bengals' run to this Super Bowl was one of the least impressive that I'd ever seen. It's just hard not to feel like they're super outmatched in this one. Like, yeah, they have been, they have needed Evan McPherson to be perfect in this postseason thus far to get the, to get in this position. He's 12 and 12 on field goals in the playoffs thus far. He's had, you know, he's three for three on 50 plus yarders and they have needed every single one of those to win these games. And the Bengals have been horrible at finishing drives. Yeah. And to me, those are the two biggest keys to the Bengals winning this game, Carson. They need to get pressure on Matt Stafford and shrink the field. Um, again, I mean, again, these are blanket keys you can make for any game. They need to finish drives and they need to connect on big shot plays. But it just seems like such an uphill battle uh, for Cincy, in my opinion. Like, I just, yeah. it's hard to not feel like they're massive underdogs. What is, I, I want to see, what is the line? Four and a half, I think. And that feels about right to me, you know. It feels like the expectation should be somewhere between a field goal and a touchdown game, but I agree with you, dude. It's just like the keys that you lay out there for the Bengals are like, yeah, you always need that if you're going to pull off an upset, right? Opponent quarterback turnovers. Okay, it's Matt Stafford, so maybe it's a little bit more valid than usual, but like that's your typical go-to, hey, this team is outmatched, so they need to do this. Converting and finishing drives in the red zone. Obviously, that as well, which like you said, they were average in the regular season. They have not been good at all in these playoffs. You think about third downs, they were an average team in the regular season. And it's just like you look at the Rams and you're like, yeah, if they play their normal football game, they should be good. Like, that's just a feeling to me. It's like, it's got to be superhuman Burrow and Jamar or terrible Matt Stafford. Like, I really do feel like this game is going to kind of be decided by quarterback play in a sense and that it has to be exceptional in one direction or the other. Because other than that, I just look at these two teams and I think Rams check more boxes, Rams check more boxes, Rams check more boxes. Not to mention they're going to have the overwhelming home field yeah. advantage of SoFi Stadium. Well, not overwhelming. That was a joke. I mean, you know, they'll probably have like 60-something percent Rams fans, but it is still a home game for them. And it's not like a bunch of Cincy fans, I, I don't think, are making a huge impact there. 
Well, I mean, with ticket prices too, dude. There's like five thousand. Yeah, in this economy, <laughs> you kidding me? There's like five grand, dude, for a a seat up in like like literally like like nosebleeds, like all the way up. So yeah, they've got that going for them. I just yes, I just feel like the Rams check significantly more boxes. And again, why were the Niners in that game? Had Stafford threw a pick on the first drive, took points away from them. Matt Stafford almost threw a late game pick. Like I almost feel like that's also another key for them. I, I just I will say. To give credit where credit is due, this Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff has been elite at coming out of the second half and making adjustments. Like, that's another thing. They made great adjustments against the Chiefs. They've done this consistently all season long. So, I mean, I think that factors in. Like, um, we saw them get really heavily involved with screens, too. Uh, Samaji Pirine really stepped up and made some really big plays late in that Kansas City game. Adjustments are going to be key, too, but I just, I am still coming away. If you ask me right now, and uh, I, I believe this hasn't happened. I don't think the team that has like, been favored has covered in a long time in the Super Bowl. I would pick the Rams to cover, Carson. I yeah. would pick them to win by more than four and a half. Like, that's... I think I would, too. I, I just feel like this is such an uphill battle. And again, I don't want to understate how big the home field advantage thing is, dude. The Yeah, it, it's, it's something. It's less for the Rams than it would be for almost any other team. Yes, but... I mean, better than it would be for the Chargers. And then maybe that's it. Maybe that's the end of the list. Yeah, I don't know. But again, like, there's only so many Bengals fans in the world, right? So I I think that there will be certainly a noticeable home field advantage. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, though, man. And look, I don't want to be the guy who continues to count out the Bengals and Joe Burrow because if they win this Super Bowl, I'll feel like an idiot. I mean, I did pick them to go to the AFC Championship game, so I've got that on you. This guy took the Titans to the Super Bowl. But, yeah, it feels like they're outmatched. It felt like they were massively outmatched last week. And if you play that game 100 times, the Chiefs win 90 of them. And it doesn't feel like there's quite that level of a mismatch here, but it feels like the Rams should win this football game 7-8 times out of 10. So, let's let's take this uh, overarching. Yeah, Um, sure. This is the youngest uh, head coaching battle that we have ever seen in Super Bowl history. It's pretty phenomenal. And... I believe whoever wins this is going to make history. The youngest uh, head coach to win a Super Bowl um, is Mike Tomlin at 38. And I believe Zach Taylor and Sean McVay are both younger. I think Zach Taylor uh, is 38. Let's see, Zach Taylor. Or is he 36? He's 38. So, yeah, Zach Taylor would tie. I believe McVay is younger than that. Um, Correct. Whoever wins, this is the youngest head coaching battle um, in Super Bowl history. And. Whoever wins this will be, you know, one of the youngest or the youngest uh, head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. It's just interesting, man. It's really interesting to look at where the... A lot of people have talked about this in the past. It's really interesting to see where the league is going with with coaching in general, man. Like, you need a, a young, brilliant offensive mind as your head coach. Like, Carson, how many successful defensive head coaches are there in the league? I would say there are definitively two. Yeah. And that's McDermott and that's Mike Tomlin. Yeah. The league is shifting to you got to have these brilliant offensive minds uh, to win football games, which also really is a tangent. It surprised me why Kellen Moore is not a head coach. I really expected him to get snapped up uh, at some point during this hiring process. Also, another detail, Zach Taylor is a part of Sean McVay's coaching tree, isn't he? Correct. It's, it's crazy, man. Wait, right? He was with the Rams. I believe he was with the... For several years. 
Sounds right to me. I'll let you look it up. I'm in no yes. rush here. Yes, he was an assistant coach to Joe Philbin and Sean McVay. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just really interesting to look at where where the league is moving, man. Brian Dable getting hired to the Giants. Uh, Mike McDaniel going to uh, the Dolphins. You know these young offensive minds. Mike McDaniel, how's that guy going to be an NFL head coach? I think it's going to be like a, a massive flop. I would pay that guy head coach money to be my OC. Yeah. Oh, I would too. But it's, dude, it's like it's almost. I can't imagine that guy getting anybody in that locker room fired up. Let's hey, just, fellas, let's let's go win this football game. Yeah? I mean, did you see the video of him on the phone on yes. the plane? Yeah, Mike McDaniel seems like a good guy, very smart guy. It seems not exactly your prototypical NFL head coach, but it's twenty twenty two. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to give the guy an opportunity, but I, I I wouldn't trust him to fire anybody up. Yeah, well, I mean, look, obviously, this has been the aggressive trend of NFL coaching uh, coaching hires for years and I expect it will continue to be the trend go young go offense and I mean it's justified here and it's been justified with Kyle Shanahan and obviously McVay in the previous run and I don't really see things going the other direction at least for some time focusing back in on uh on this game yeah who uh, we'll start with the QBs and then I want to open this up to everybody on the field Uh, who is this more important for legacy wise Matt Stafford. Joe Burrow, I think, has significantly more to gain because of what we've talked about, where it feels like Stafford is in a position to pretty much guide his team to the Super Bowl. And Burrow has been put in a spot where he has to overcome nine sacks and he has to come back from down 21-3 and come up with these massive third down conversions with his feet and carry an offense that's run game hasn't been all that successful. Like, that's the feeling for Joe Burrow and inherit a team that got the first overall pick and then won four games last year and now you make this remarkable run. So I think he has an immeasurable amount to gain. And he, there's also very few blemishes on his resume because he's a second-year player. So it's just like historic in every way. But Matt Stafford is a guy whose legacy is established in a lot of ways, but it can be dramatically reshaped. You don't have a lot of guys at 33 years old who have the chance to completely flip the narrative on their career and have their complete defining moments and become a Super Bowl winning quarterback and maybe a Super Bowl MVP and a guy who in that season also threw for 41 touchdowns. Like it's not like he limped there. So I just feel like there's more on the line for him kind of in both directions. There is no world in which Joe Burrow I don't think has his legacy negatively impacted by this game. I mean, people are certainly overly focused on single game outcomes and Super Bowls linger in people's minds a lot, but it's like everybody is talking about Joe Burrow as if he is the only reason that the Bengals are here. And I don't obviously think that it's true to that black and white extent, but he has less help around him than Matt Stafford, let's say, and he's the darling. And so it's like, then if the guy plays a bad game in the Super Bowl and they lose, well, wasn't the expectation the entire time that they were going to win six games coming into the year and that they were going to lose convincingly to the Chiefs and all these things. So I just don't really see how things go poorly for him. And he, he will have so many more chances to redeem himself and to make a run at it, whereas Stafford is only going to have so many more years as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about the narrative being flipped on its head. I mean, heading into this season, uh, you know, I mean, Stafford never won a playoff game. You know, I mean, that was kind of the you know the black stain on his, on his career is yeah. that he has never gotten it done. He was on those middling Lions teams for a while. And I agree with you, I think, in large part. Burrow has more to gain, but... 
Burrow almost has this mythical status already, dude, from winning the national championship at LSU um, to just dethroning the Chiefs this year, man, and just... I don't know, kind of being a swaggy young cat, you know what I mean? Like, like Joe already has this kind of mythical aura about him. So I, I think I would agree. I think Joe Burrow has more to gain, but I think Matthew Stafford has the most to lose in this game. Like, if he... Also, McVay, too, man. If we want to talk legacies, look, bro. If McVay comes out here and the Rams put up a dud, which I don't yeah. expect, they scored three points in their last Super Bowl. If the Rams come up here and put a dud, uh, put up a dud, I mean, it's, oh, you know, McVay can't get it done in the big games. Um, but that's stupid, right? I mean, would you believe that based off of two games? No, but that's going to be the narrative. Sure. That's how people are going to paint this picture. But he'll have 30 more years as an NFL head coach to rewrite that. I just think the dude who came in and helped revolutionize and pioneer elite offenses for a half decade straight, multiple of them with Jared Goff, and then... Again, taking a guy like Stafford who had never had that kind of success previously. It's just, how do you take really any of that away because of two football games? You know? I mean, you know, two two rational fellas like us. Sure. We're not going to do that. Naturally charismatic, handsome, intelligent guys like us. Yes, we wouldn't do that. I, um, I want to add some context to some other storylines here. So, yeah, Zach Taylor was with the Rams for two seasons as the assistant wideout coach in 2017 and as a QB coach in 2018. Yeah. Um, they're two really good friends. Another interesting storyline here, too. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, the ageless wonder at age 40, um, you know, anchoring this Rams uh, offensive line, one of the best in the league. Uh, Whitworth is taking on his old team, was a Bengal for a very long time, did not have any kind of success there. And I mean, dude, there's a lot of old guys who legacy-wise, Carson, are also impacted. Aaron Donald, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, has yet to get a Super Bowl ring. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I, I think, I mean, you would say he's one of the greatest corners of all time, right? I think Ramsey's in that in that upper echelon. Certainly on the path. I mean, longevity will be a factor, but yeah, he's a phenomenal career so far. Ramsey's up there. Um, Eric Weddle, who just literally came out of retirement, I also don't know if you've heard, Eric Weddle apparently is responsible for play calling duties on field and adjustments and stuff like that. They have given him that power. Um, Weddle is also chasing his first ring. Von Miller is looking for his second. Like, there's a lot of, I, again, you can make that blanket statement for any Super Bowl. There's a lot of legacy implications for a lot of big time names uh, on this Rams defense. I mean, mm -hmm. you also make the case for OBJ, too. Um, I mean, yeah, dude, like a lot of. This game could make Hall of Fame cases, genuinely. And I don't mean for, like, the Von Millers or the Aaron Donalds of the world. I think, honestly, I think those two guys are probably locks for the Hall at some point. But uh, for the Whitworths of the world, for the Jalen Ramseys of the world, for the Eric Weddles of the world, yeah, this definitely could swing a Hall of Fame case. Totally. And that's a really interesting point. And again, it feels unfair in some ways, just because, I mean, if you think about it rationally, it's like, what does the greatness of one quarterback, one cornerback, really have to do with what ten other guys on defense and you know an entire offensive unit is producing? I mean, you are as isolated as anybody in that spot, mm -hmm. and you can only really impact so much. But this is how we view things. I mean, having rings changes legacies one hundred percent, and dudes who are phenomenal on teams that do not win at the highest level just do not get the acknowledgement. So you're definitely right, and that's an interesting point. I'm trying to think about other interesting legacy things here. I mean, 
OBJ, it feels like this is the monumental moment. I mean, I honestly don't know if outside of the quarterbacks and the coaches and just those prototypical, most strongly identified with the team guys, I don't know if anybody has more to gain than OBJ. I mean, just what a fascinating career it has been up to this point, obviously, where you have as electrifying of a start to a career as any receiver ever, and you do it in the New York market. And then you have almost a half decade at this point that is just marred by injuries and just subpar production by your standards. And to then explode like this, have a phenomenal postseason, presuming he continues that into the Super Bowl. And if they were then to win it all, I mean, that's like, that makes all the bad stuff go away, right? I mean, people will forget that. People will remember that Randy Moss sucked in his last year with the Raiders, Right? I mean, it's just like, this is how we view things. And yeah, this is more than that. I'm not saying he's Randy Moss, but my point is just, you can do a lot to erase some of the blemishes on your resume. And a guy like OBJ, the blemishes have been so prominent and so often discussed because of the personality he is in the beginning of his career and the market that he began in, that, I mean, there's a lot to overcome, but it feels like he can really overcome it. Oh, 100%. Like, did you ever expect that OBJ would be playing at this level in a situation this significant again? No, and this was some ignorance on my part. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot on NerdSesh, you know, and in recent memory, especially with all the team changes and OBJ's resurgence here, situation is everything in the NFL. Yeah. Literally. I mean, schemes, uh, who you're playing for, you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm going to be honest with you, Carson. I thought OBJ was kind of washed after after all the injuries in New York, after all the drama in Cleveland. And, like, he was kind of a scapegoat. Like, they put a lot yeah. of that on OBJ, man. And I was wrong about that. And OBJ has thrived in this vertical passing attack. Um, I think he can definitely. I think a ring wipes all of it away. Yeah. I, I, it, it really does. Because we're going to remember him with this season, moving on from Cleveland over here. Um, and what a great decision, too, dude. He was He was between... Los Angeles, New Orleans, and New England. Like, he was kind of caught at a, at a crossroads between those teams, and he made the, the best decision for himself. Uh, on the vertical passing attack, I want to note something. Uh, these have been the best two vertical passing attacks in football. Um, they're tied for second in explosive uh, pass play rate uh, by Sharp Football Stats, so that's pass plays that result in a gain of 15-plus yards. The Bengals had the number one intermediate passing attack in football this season. The Rams had the number one deep passing attack in football this season. Honestly, dude, it's kind of what I want in this game too, right? Yeah. I want, after that abysmal Rams-Pats Super Bowl, 3-13, to really ugly. I didn't even watch it because I, I went on a— Because you went to cry? No, because I, I did boycott. I, for a period there, for the Eagles and Rams Super Bowls, I boycotted them because Tom Brady played in them. I was Crazy. not going to watch another Super Bowl with Tom Brady in it. Um, NFL superfan Logan Camden opted out. I boycotted two Super Bowls because of Tom Brady, yes. Um, I want an absolute freaking shootout, dude. I want yeah. I, I want a downfield war, and I, I think we can expect it, dude. Um, they like running cover one. They like running one high safety. So, I mean, dude... I want to see a shootout. I want to see a battle. Do you expect that to be true in this game as far as just the defensive approach? I mean, are we, do you think we don't see a lot of, like, too high, too high safety stuff? Like, just... I think we should, but the Rams like to run a lot of one high safety stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we should, definitely. I mean, that's how you... That's how you limit these deep passing attacks. I, I just feel like you're willing to... 
give them a little bit extra on the ground here, right, to just prevent or decrease the likelihood of that Jamar play that just breaks the game open. Oh, I mean, maybe you don't need to if you have matched up with Jalen Ramsey most of the game, but I don't know. Maybe this does not age that well. I'm not scared of the Bengals rushing attack at all. Yeah. With, with, the, with the Rams front, screw that, man. I'm dropping an extra guy every single play. Carson, there is no play in this game where there are not two guys on Jamar Chase. I mean that. Really? There is no play in this. And I don't mean like man on man, but there is no play in this game where I'm leaving a corner on an island with Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Like, I am going to trust Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. Uh, I, I'm going to trust the, this uh, front seven to be good enough against a very mediocre Bengals offensive line to limit the running game and limit Joe Mixon. And, I mean, this is a uh, an underrated outside zone run here. I mean, um, you know, zone rushing attack for Cincinnati. I know it's been inconsistent. I know it's been up and down. But against the Chiefs, they were able to, to get a bit of it going. Yeah. But I am – there is no play in this game where – I am the Rams DC. I am having two guys on Jamar. Like I'm Jamar breaks this game. Jamar breaks games open. And so yeah, I'm more scared of him than anything else for the Rams and I, yeah. He, he might be my X factor for this game. But yes, every play I'm trusting them to limit this rushing attack. I'm not scared of Joe Mixon. I'm not scared of this offensive line. I am deathly afraid of Jamar Chase. I think this is an excellent take. It's really hard for me to imagine the Bengals winning this game by relying on the ground game. I mean, you said they found some success against the Chiefs, some really timely success on that last drive where they got some big runs that they needed for Mixon to you know, run out the clock and get them in field goal range and all that. But it just hasn't been a productive rushing attack, and you're going up against an elite front and an elite run defense. And at the end of the day, I just think the Bengals are going to put the football in the hands of their best players, which is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and they are either going to win or lose that way. Are there any other keys here that you feel that we haven't explored or should we get into official predictions? Uh, the only two things I'd say is, you know, both teams look like they have their starting tight ends out. Uh, Higby and Uzama are both up in the air. Uh, yeah. Taylor Rapp um, has been out with a concussion. We may see him return. Those are kind of the final keys, just like little injury stuff like that. Um, official predictions. I went with Tyreek Hill as my Super Bowl MVP last, uh, last season. I said the... Chiefs were going to blow them out. Uh, that did not age well. I guess if you're ready to get into into MVP predictions and uh, in official yeah. predictions, I'm ready to get it. Let's do it. All right, I'm going to take. I'm going to take the Rams to cover. Uh, I think they win. I think there's a bit of a shootout. Uh, I'm going to go 30 to 24. Um, I think they win by six. I think it's a good game. Maybe this even comes down to a final possession. You know, maybe this comes down to a Joe Burrow last drive. Like, I think this is going to be a very good game. I'm going to go Rams 30-24, to and I guess my Super Bowl MVP is going to be, I'm going to take Matt Stafford. Wow. Well, I was going to go Rams 31-24, and I think that I still will. Again, it just is tough for me to imagine the Bengals having that super explosive play day offensively. And I just don't know how they make the Rams really uncomfortable with their defense. I mean, I guess we didn't discuss that a ton, but it's because it just kind of feels like a given that, I mean, you know, it's not that it's a bad defense. Obviously we've seen the pass rush have its moments. We saw that uh, against the chiefs in that second half rushing either three or four, they were still able to get home and we saw some good coverage and the play from their secondary has been solid, but it's just like, doesn't feel like they can make the Rams uncomfortable and really take away what they want to do through the air. 
unless you get a couple of those moments from Stafford. So I agree. I mean, I think Stafford has to be the baseline prediction. Like, I don't know. It could easily be Cup. It could easily be OBJ. It could be a defensive star who makes a massive play or two. Like, there's a bunch of possible outcomes, but it feels like if you're looking at a team that is a top 10 quarterback that you think is going to win the Super Bowl, even if it's Matt Stafford, he kind of has to be the go-to expectation. Yeah, I have no rooting interest in this game. I don't care who wins. Um, I'm going to be happy with either outcome. And again, there is a world in which I see Joe Joe Burr, you know, get his first Super Bowl Joe ring. Burr. I, I see it happening. The deciding factor for me is the inability to finish drives. Mm-hmm. That is the deciding factor for me ultimately. And I mean, me predicting three TDs, I wonder without a turnover if they're even going to be able to get that. Like that's, that is my chief concern. That is what ultimately... I just, again, man, the Bengals have had one of the least impressive runs to the Super Bowl that I can ever remember, and they've had, they've struggled with finishing drives in the regular season, they've struggled with finishing drives throughout the playoffs, Yeah. and I just think, if you are, I'm going to kick, I'm going to take the points guy, I am a kick the field goal guy, but I, th- I think it has to catch up to them at some point, and I think this is the game where it does, where finishing drives is going to catch up to them, and if they stutter, if they rely on Evan McPherson a little too much, I think the Rams pull away from this one, and that is ultimately uh, the distinction and why I'm running with the Rams. Boom. There you have it. We have very similar perspectives on this game. It seems kind of all around. And again, we counted out the Bengals last week. Logan counted out the Bengals the week before that, and here they stand. So who knows? We could certainly be wrong. It's one football game, and a whole lot of things can happen, and they do have the swaggiest, iciest man on the entire planet, Joe Brr, Joe Shiesty, Joey B. So anything is possible. All right, well, there you have it. Again, we said it would probably be a little bit shorter. We're only talking about the one football game, but it is the biggest football game and the biggest sporting event in America. So that'll be super fun. Obviously, we'll be back reacting to that on Monday. Uh, We will also be doing a show this Friday live on Blaze Radio reacting to everything from the NBA trade deadline. We did our preview show Monday, and then it felt like everything went down yesterday. We had to do our Super Bowl preview today. So we're just trying to get it all in. It's a crazy week in sports, but we will be talking about all that on Friday. We did already react to some of that on our TikTok, which you can go ahead and check out. It's at NerdSesh. We were actually just live on there a little bit before we did this podcast today, which was super fun doing some trivia stuff. And we may do something like that again. So check all that out. You can follow us on social media. Twitter and Twitch are at nerd underscore sesh. That's where we also live stream our shows. Instagram is at nerd sesh, same as the TikTok. You can listen to the pod, wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, Apple, etc. You can find us on YouTube, nerd sesh, where we do video essay, video breakdown content. So check us out in all of those places. And let's get ready for some football, baby, because this is going to be a lot of fun. With that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was NerdSesh. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports 
sports scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.